0: I realize that it may seem a little odd to you, or sound a little different, or you may simply have never heard it before, but God wants to be wanted. God is holy, God is merciful, God is just, and God is relational. He commands us to worship him with our whole heart and mind, soul, and body. Uh, There is nothing about God that is half-hearted. God gave us his very best in his Son. He didn't simply make some kind of a works-based program for righteousness that he could uh, simply reveal through one of the prophets and, and give us a formula for getting to heaven. But instead... God became flesh and came to us in the fullness of his deity in human flesh. All the fullness belonged in Jesus. Nothing was lacking. God, Let me put it this way. God could not give any more than he's given in his own son. And so, this shows us that God is not transactional. He's not looking to cut a deal with sinners. Saying, well, if you do these things, I'll do these things, and then you'll be saved. No, God calls us into fellowship with himself. Our triune God is a relational God. He himself exists within community. Father... Son, and Holy Spirit. And we, wonders beyond wonder, um, beyond our imagination, calls us into fellowship with Him. And that kind of a relational intimacy with Him. And so, it's very important to understand that if you're going to be healthy spiritually, you, you must do so With a whole heart, you must give your whole self to Christ. You must not withhold anything. Indeed, to withhold anything, to withhold something, is to give nothing. Let me say that again. To withhold anything is to give nothing. God gave us his very best, and he demands and commands our very best, our whole heart. Now, let me just look at a few texts here. John, excuse me, Jeremiah 29. This is a familiar passage for some of you. Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you hope in a future, then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me, with, and you will find me when you seek me, with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations. And places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place which I carried you in, from which I carried you into exile. So Israel had been an idolatrous abomination of a nation, and they went into exile to be cleansed of their idolatry. And God is saying that when you are fully cleansed, when the seventy years is complete, I will bring you back. But there's something you must understand here. This is a promise to Israel under the new covenant, and we understand today. Let me read that, Jeremiah 31:31. 31, 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, will I make a new covenant with the people of Israel? No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. That's Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. So this is a promise that the character of, Of God's people under the new covenant, which we understand through the New Testament witness, includes Gentiles now. True Israel in Christ includes Gentiles, will be a people who seek Him with all their heart. Let me read you another reference to the new covenant in Ezekiel 36. I will take you, verse 24, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. This is a, again, this is a promise for God's people under the new covenant, which we understand now uh, through the gospel includes the mystery of, that Gentiles are included in that. So this is very applicable to you. God is a relational God. And what I'm saying to you today, the central point I'm making here, is that for you to be spiritually healthy, you must pursue Him with your whole heart. To hold back anything is to give nothing. Nothing. Let me read you a few other texts now from the New Testament or the New Covenant. In Hebrews chapter 11, in what is oftentimes called the faith chapter, we read this. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded as one who pleased God. What a fellowship! Enoch had with God. That he was so pleasing to God. That he longed that his whole spirit, soul, mind, and body was so devoted to God. That God was so pleased with his fellowship with him. He didn't let him see death. He just took him. Verse 6. And without faith, without that Enoch kind of faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must, like Enoch, believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let me read that last part again. And without faith, that kind of faith that Enoch had, it is impossible to please God. Because God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I once uh, listened to a a well-known evangelist, televangelist, lead his prayer, sinner's prayer, at the end of his broadcast. And his prayer went something like this. He encouraged people to say, Dear God, if you are real... If you're out there, please make yourself known to me. End quote. Well, what he didn't realize, what he didn't realize is that that's not a prayer of faith. God is not required to meet and respond to our unbelief. God doesn't have to prove himself to anyone. God does not allow himself to be tested like that. No, if we're going to come to him, we must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who casually, sometimes, when they get around to it, no, he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Let me close this brief little exhortation with a reading from 1 Corinthians 3 where Paul's talking about building the church. And he's talking about himself as one who's laid a a strong foundation and that others are building on it. Let me turn there. He says, verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through flames. End quote. So let me ask you, what is your church building on? What is your church built upon? Is it built upon the gold and silver and costly stones of genuine commitment of devotion, wholehearted devotion, or is your church and perhaps yourself built upon the wood, hay, or straw of some kind of a generalized devotion that is happy to go to church, is happy to partake in the sacraments, happy to sit through the sermons, happy even to give out of their financial resources, but really takes more of an attitude of, well, I I, I want to know what I have to do to go to heaven so that you know I I can be I have that assurance and then go about my own way of life. There's a lot of people, a lot of churchgoers who think like that. But there's nothing Christian about that. There's nothing Christian about that. Jesus repeatedly said that anyone who came to him and loved mother or father or family or other things more than him could not be his disciple. People came to him and said, Let me first go bury my dead, my father, and then I will uh, follow you. And Jesus responded, Let the dead bury the dead, but you come and follow me. Jesus didn't take excuses. He didn't take reservations. He didn't take pledges. He didn't take good intentions. If you're going to follow him, you had to leave everything. You had to drop the nets. You had to leave everything and follow him. So God is a relational God. He confronted constantly, Jesus certainly did during his ministry, a people whose hearts were somewhere other than wholehearted towards God. In fact, he said in Mark chapter 7, he spoke uh, to these uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. That's a quote from Isaiah. So he's saying quite quite clearly there that the worship of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law was not acceptable to God. Think of that. There are churches filled throughout America and throughout the West, throughout the world, really, that are offering God a form of half-hearted worship that simply is not acceptable and he simply will not respond to. Now, there may be some of you out there who suffer with a little neurosis, and this isn't meant to make you feel guilty or increase your shame. No, this is an exhortation to joy. This is an exhortation to realize that God has given you through the new covenant, through the power of his spirit in you, the capacity, the ability, even the empowerment to love him with all that you have. Don't Be talked out of it. Don't take some other wide path. Don't be caught up with the crowd who's walking through the wide gate to destruction. But instead follow in the bloodstained footprints of Jesus, that narrow path that leads to life. Life eternal. For you have given him all that you have, you given all that you are and all that you have to him who gave him he gave you his very best, even his son. Amen.